Biddy joining you for a weekly live cast today for Stillmeyer Games. Biddy is very talkative this morning. I'm not sure what's up with him, but he has been inspecting the litter box, so we might see some action back there in the corner in the next few minutes. Um, oh, now he's leaving. Okay, that's very nice of him. I hope you're having a good Wednesday so far today and a good week. Uh, I'll start off with my chocolate of the day. We stopped off at an ice cream shop in the cold of St. Louis winter. Uh, we went to an ice cream shop, and at the ice cream shop, they happen to have some fancy chocolate. And I love trying new fancy chocolate. And so we got this Markham and Fitz Southern Pecan 52% dark Nicaraguan chocolate with caramelized pecans and black salt. Really interesting blend. Um, I like I like that range of like 45 to 55% chocolate. And uh, yeah, I found it rather delicious. So let me know what your treat of the day is today if you have one. Hey, Tim. Hey, Chad. Thanks for joining me today. I'm sorry I'm running a few minutes behind. I've been doing a lot of proofreading and checking the work of proofreaders recently. And uh, uh, it took me a little bit longer to do this morning, but I wanted to get it to our graphic designer, so I ran a few minutes late. So thanks for, for hanging in there for a few minutes while I figured it out. Uh, so what is going on today? So yeah, a lot uh, lately has been a lot of proofreading and working through these proofreading files uh, we typically send out, when we're in the proofreading stage, I typically send out the files to around eight to 10 different proofreaders that, um, that I've worked with in the past. And some of, that, some of them are fairly new. Um, and we get some, some great feedback from these proofreaders. But then I have to go through their, their comments and, uh, and check them. And then I send it to the graphic designer, Christine, to implement those changes, the changes that I agreed with. And then Christine sends the files back to me and I check to make sure the changes were made because Christine has to make a lot of files. They're human errors at every level of this process. And so I check to make sure they were quickly made. And then I typically send them to a few more proofreaders and we continue the process. So that's where we are right now with, uh, with this proofreading process for this, this project. Chris says that he got some, some light snow in Wisconsin. Yeah, we got a little snow uh, yesterday morning, actually, and a little bit of snow when we were playing disc golf this past Saturday in very cold weather. Dominic said that he played a six-player game of Libertalia this past weekend. That's awesome, Dominic. I'm glad you got a game in. And uh, Blake says, is that a preview idea of a Stillmeyer Games Christmas sweater you have on? No, this is a sweater. It actually probably looks better on camera than it does in person. This is a sweater I got in Oxford, England during a trip there around 15 years ago now, I think. It's held up pretty well. I don't buy new clothes very often, but I try not to. I try to wear the things I have for many, many years. And this, this sweater has, has held up remarkably well. Uh, Blake is referring to an idea that came up in the Stillmeyer Games Discord server about how, making, for a future year, a uh, kind of an ugly Christmas sweater, which is an idea that I'm open to. I must admit that I don't have any ugly Christmas sweaters. I probably have some sweaters that are subjectively ugly, but uh, it's, not a, it's not a style that I get really excited about, but I probably should have one ugly Christmas sweater in my collection, and why not have it be a Stillmeyer Games ugly Christmas sweater? So I'll consider that. Do any of you have, have an ugly Christmas sweater that you enjoy, and what makes it, what makes it special to you? George says his nesting box just arrived today. And George, that's a good reminder that I should talk about shipping updates for the nesting box. If you bought the nesting box or Wingspan Asia directly from Stomar Games in the last, what has it been? Uh, it's been nine full business days at this point since uh, the pre-order launched on November 2nd. Uh, you probably, hopefully, got an update on Monday. If you didn't get that email, it means that either your order has already shipped, it went, the notification went to your spam filter, or you're maybe looking at the wrong email address. I would say that's the, that last one is 
it almost every time someone emails me and says, hey, I didn't get a notification, it's because they used a different email address for the order than what they usually use to check their email. Um, so the, the overall update is that um, we, have, we had, uh, what was it, 18,000 total packages to ship, or our fulfillment centers had that many packages to ship. And our fulfillment centers in Canada, Australia, and the UK say that they are on track to get all champion orders out the door. I want to make sure I say this correctly, actually. So let me look it up and get it exactly correct. They're going to get them out the door in time. Actually, I'll, I'll pull it up. Let me, let me say it exactly correct because I don't want to mess this up. Um, here, I'll pull it up. I have a link on uh, the nesting box page of our website. Probably should put it on the Wingspan Asia page as well. Okay, so in Europe, Canada, and Australia, and New Zealand, 6,000 total packages. Uh, all non-champion orders are projected, projected to ship by November 23rd. Um, and all champion orders should ship this week. In the U.S., there were 12,000 total packages from just one fulfillment center. And uh, they're on track to ship all champion orders by November 23rd. That's right before Thanksgiving. And then all non-champion orders, we are hopeful that they will, ship, they will ship by November 30th. I think it is quite possible it will go through that the end of that week because um, November 30th is a Wednesday. So a couple other days that week, I could see it going to the end of that week. That is the current projection, but 18,000 packages is a lot. Obviously that's a lot for people at these fulfillment centers to ship through and they are working as fast as possible. And we will keep you updated if, if there are, it takes longer than that. Let's see, I'm gonna scroll back and a few questions I missed there. That is the fulfillment update. Oh, Joshua says that, oh, he said, Congratula congratulations to Stillmeyer for being voted best publisher by the people last week. Yeah, it was quite an honor to, to hear that. I, I had no idea that such a vote was happening, but um, after that video went live, a few people mentioned that, and I'm I'm really honored. Like, I, our whole goal here is to bring table, is to bring joy to tabletops worldwide, and if that inspired you to choose Stillmeyer Games as your favorite publisher, thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate that. We're, we do this for you, and I know we can't make everybody happy, but I really do try. Um, so yeah, thank you. That, that meant a lot to me to see. Travis says, is there a video made by fans or others that guides or overviews the transition from all wingspan into the nesting box? I'm not aware of a video yet, Travis, but um, there is a chart on the back or, or the underside of the nesting box box, the, the box lid, uh, not the whole box, the lid that shows you where we suggest that you might consider organizing things. But there are also some posts that I've seen in Facebook about different ways that people are organizing the box. I love how modular it is. People can organize it in different ways. Um, and there are some videos linked on the nesting box page of our website that talk about unboxing. I think there might even be a reboxing video. Let's see if there is, because that might address what you're talking about there. Let's see if there's a reboxing. There is, Long Distance Gamers did an unboxing and a reboxing video. Um, so that reboxing video may include all Wingspan content. Feel free to check that out. Chris is here. Hey, Chris Goodlett, thanks for joining us today. Gerald says, do you ever think about, sorry, Facebook scrolled right past it. Do I ever think about doing what Z-Man does with Pandemic, retheming one of your games with one to two rule tweaks, like Pandemic Cthulhu, Pandemic Fall of Rome, etc." My thinking is um, I'm open to spin-offs of our games or sequels of our games, um, but one to two rule tweaks, which I don't even know if that's completely accurate for those pandemic examples, but one to two rule tweaks doesn't seem like enough justification to me to, to make a whole new version of a game and ask people to be interested in that or ask people to consider it. So um, while I'm interested in spin-offs and sequels 
for circum certain circumstances. Uh, and while I want them to be very familiar to people who already know the core game, I would also want there to be fairly substantial mechanical, or uh, at least a big mechanical and thematic hook that is a di that is different from the original. Yeah. John says he played Wingspan with all the expansions yesterday. The new birds add some interesting new approaches. Glad to hear that, John. Thanks for sharing and thanks for playing right away. Uh, Nathan says that he's also waiting for his nesting box, but he's enjoying the new uh, promo realms, the most recent promo realms. Nathan, I appreciate the, the cue there. This week's promo realm live play will be today. I, I'm pretty sure it's today. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So I'm aiming for three o'clock central time, St. Louis time, today, tomorrow, and Friday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So feel free to join me in the Rolling Realms Facebook group for that if you're interested. And then I'll put them on YouTube afterward if you want to join in afterward. Oh, you can also watch the video in the Facebook group at any time. The video should save there. Hey, Tim, good morning. Barry said that he just played the new duet mode of Wingspan Asia with his wife last night, and they both really enjoyed it. Love the new decisions that, to go along with the duet board. Really nice addition to the Viticulture world. I'm glad you enjoyed that, Barry. I, I really, really love that duet mode um, that Elizabeth created. George says, any recent podcasts or interviews with you to share recently? I think I have been on one. The closest thing to that is my video this past week was with a fellow podcaster friend whose podcast that I've been on a few times, the Your Tech Report podcast, and that is the Mitchell Whitfield podcast. Um, it's also, a, I believe, a serious show. It's on the Sirius FM radio network. But Mitchell joined me for his top 10 list on, uh, on my YouTube channel this past weekend. So you can see that on Sunday. So it might feel a little bit like a podcast because Mitchell's doing a lot more of the talking than I am, which is great because Mitchell's far more interested than I am. And uh, so, yeah, feel free to check that out if you're interested in, in um, hearing a podcast style. But I can't think of any other podcast that I've been on or that have gone live with me in the month of November. Yeah. Dominic said that he was pleasantly surprised that the new nesting box, the nesting box included a new bird feeder. Yeah, we just, we have heard enough from people who have played Wingspan many times who said that either their uh, bird feeder has worn, uh, worn thin, or worn out, um, or that when they originally tried to construct the bird feeder, they broke it and they just gave up on it and, and maybe just made the tray part of it. And so we tried to make the instructions and some of the, the cut lines a little bit more intuitive. It's essentially the same punch board though with some very small changes. And we just figured, you know, we're including this giant box. It doesn't cost that much more for us to include a few punch boards in it. So, so we did. So yeah, I'm glad, glad that was a pleasant surprise and hopefully it's easier to put together this time. George says, what are the latest Kickstarters that you're backing? I feel like I batched a, backed a bunch last week. And, um, man, I was really tempted to back the Oath Sworn Kickstarter. That game has fascinated me, but I ultimately decided not to. I, I, it, it, it was really tough because it was a game that I, I liked the idea of the game. I liked the, the sound of the creator. It's a fellow Jamie. I want to support the Jamies of the world. But, um, but I wasn't sure if I would actually get it to the table enough to justify the price point. I will probably regret it, um, but I've, I don't think I've ever spent over $100 on a game other than maybe role-player adventures. I think shipping took me over $100 on that. There, there might have been a few since then. Definitely not over $150. So the ones that I have back lately, I'm currently backing Chicken. I'm backing Soul, S-U-L. I'm backing Race to the Raft. I think that campaign may have finished. And I backed the role-player adventures uh, reprint slash expansion campaign, not for the reprint portion, but for the new expansion. 
What are you all backing right now on, on any crowdfunding platform? What have you pre-ordered that you're waiting for? That's the tougher thing for me to keep track of. What have I pre-ordered that I'm waiting for? Uh, it's easy to see on GameFound or Kickstarter what I've ordered and, and what might be incoming, but elsewhere is a little bit more difficult. And I wish I had a better way of tracking that. How do you all track that? If you've pre-ordered from different publishers, different things, um, like I know that I backed, I, I pre-ordered Clank, uh, Clank Catacombs a while ago. I feel like there are other things, but I've forgotten things that I've ordered directly from the publisher. But yeah, how do you how do, do you keep track of it? Did you, did you create a Google Doc? Is there a way on BoardGameGeek to keep track of all the different things that you've backed that you're waiting for? Maybe I could just create a geek list on BoardGameGeek. Um, but I wish there was a, a consolidated way to keep track of all that information. Alex says, the digital versions page for Red Rising says, a full AI digital version is in the works. Is that still the case? That is, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ali. That is not still the case due to lawyers. Um, unfortunately, in our contract for Red Rising, we, the original contract, we weren't able to actually get the rights to digitally make a version of the tabletop game. And uh, yeah, I'm going to the digital page so I can update that. And when we try to talk about, you know, how, how well the game has done, how we want to make a digital version of it now, um, the, uh, the, the legal team behind Red Rising, not Pierce himself. Pierce, I think, would be more than happy for us to make a, a, tabletop, a digital version of the tabletop game. But uh, the lawyers said they will not give us the rights to do that. I suspect the silver lining to that is that I suspect that Red Rising has signed some sort of a, a production deal for, a, for, um, for, for TV or movies. Probably TV. Probably a streaming series. So that would be wonderful. I would love to still be able to make a tabletop version of the digital game or a digital version of the tabletop game, but currently we are not we are not allowed to do that, and I don't really see a hope in doing that. So, I will remove that from the page, Ali. Thank you for mentioning that. Corey from Blue Falcon Board Gaming says he got his nesting box and loves it. He says I hate having to drop in and out uh, the past few weeks. Oh, no, no problem at all. This is a long hour to to hang out with me every week. He says he accepted a promotion. Congratulations, Corey. And I have been training during the live cast times now instead of at lunch. Should, oh, he has training. Should be wrapped up in February. Congratulations. That's awesome for your promotion, Corey. What else is going on? I'll keep scrolling down looking at, in fact, I'm behind on questions, so I will catch up on those a little bit. Murray's joining us from the UK. Carl says he played Duet Against the Automa and really enjoyed it. And he's hoping for more expansions under the Christmas tree this year. Christoph says he can't wait to have Asia and just got his sleeves for it. Just got their first snow in Quebec. And uh, Tom says he, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Tom. That's awesome. And he also got his nesting box dispatch notice today. That is wonderful. And a separate order for Fenris and Tuscany. Got, we got multiple order confirmations today. That is wonderful to hear. And happy birthday to you, Tom. I hope you have a fun day. What are you doing on your birthday to make it special this year? David says that he's really excited about Unconscious Mind on currently on Kickstarter. A game that looks really, really cool. Maybe a little bit too heavy for me, but one that I will want to try to play when it comes out. And he says the designer has indicated that they, are, they continue to make some, some fairly substantial balance slash gameplay changes. That was similar to their previous Kickstarter, Endless Winter. What do you think of Kickstarting a game that is 70 to 80% complete? It isn't something that I would... Uh, it isn't something that I advocate because I think it adds a lot of uncertainty to the timeline. Um, there's a lot more certainty if you go into a Kickstarter with, uh, with 95% completion, knowing that you can, that with almost full certainty that you can press print within a month or so and that you can move forward with the project. 
However, I think for the most part, backers would ra rather have the best version of the game than the game on the schedule indicated on the Kickstarter campaign. And hopefully they've adds, added some buffer to that schedule anyway. So uh, a Kickstarter is an opportunity or crowdfunding ca campaign is an opportunity to expand the number of people who play the game and give you feedback on that game before you go to print. We try to do that at some of our games, obviously without using crowdfunding or pre-orders. Pre we try to do that with our blind playtest system, our unguided playtesters around the world who playtest the game, including the amazing Altama team. They're really good at finding weird inf infinite loops that no one else was able to catch. So, uh, oh yeah, I'll go back to that statement. I, I think my guess is that most people would rather have the best possible version of the game rather than have the game on the schedule that was originally indicated on the campaign. So, uh, and, and you can definitely get feedback during a campaign that you can't, well, you, I don't know if, you, if that's necessarily true. Uh, it is possible sometimes for you to get, get quality feedback during a Kickstarter campaign that you didn't anticipate before that. Although hopefully, since they had a playtester base for Endless Winter, they probably could have gotten a lot of that feedback before launching. And they probably did. I'm sure they blind playtested play it before they launched. Adam says, thank you for answering my question within two minutes of me asking it the other day about Rolling Realms. I'm glad I caught it, Adam. Not, a, not a, always that fast, but I try to be. He says, I like the game, but it seems that one, like one that my wife is going to be better than me on. I haven't won yet. One thing, though, I think the dice should just be a little bit bigger. They're big dice, Adam. Uh, we did, I don't know if you read the design diaries, but originally the dice were even bigger, but uh, they seemed to like dent the table whenever we rolled them. So we made them, we made them the final size. George pre-ordered the new Dune expansion. Julie mentioned the Fox experiment. I did back the Fox experiment too, Julie. I'm excited about that one. Uh, Julie happens to be one of the amazing proofreaders who looked over a recent secret project. Thank you, Julie, for doing that. Tyler says, here's an impossible question. What is the game that means the most to you? Maybe because of memories, nostalgia, community building, or just your favorite? What are your thoughts? Oh, there's so many different levels to that, Tyler. One that comes to mind is Viticulture. That was my first published game. That one means a lot to me, and it means a lot to me that people are still playing it, that it's still in print after 10 years. That's, that's incredible. I guess we have the control over whether or not it's in print, but it, that's justified by the demand. There's also games from my early childhood that meant a lot to me. Um, Magic the Gathering is one that I've played my whole life. That, that game means a, a ton to me. I've played it in different ways since I was 13 years old. Uh, that is tough. Maybe I'll go with those two for now because there are lots of neat ways to answer that question. Tyler, what about you? Or anyone else watching this? What, what game means the most to you? And you could certainly answer that in different ways. But if you have one that comes to mind, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that question? What means the most to you? David's waiting for Frosthaven, Hamlet, and Distilled. Charles says, do I play many solo games if I played Final Girl? I don't play many solo games. It, really, the only times that I play a game essentially solo is when I play against the AI on, um, on, in a digital game format. Yeah. But so I, I do highly value solo games, especially if there's a fairly robust but easy-to-run system like Automa. That's why we put that in all of our games. See, just scrolling down, look for comment, comments or questions at this point because I'm a little bit behind. Uh, Trevor says that he is excited about My Heroes of Might Magic Three. I was intrigued by that too. I play, that was a video game that I played when I was a kid. Um, it's doing very well on Kickstarter. I'm glad to see that doing well. Eric's okay. Eric mentions a blog post that I wrote wrote recently. That wrote two blog posts recently. One about let's see if this text is urgent. It is not urgent. Um, blog post about MSRP and about Twitter. Yeah, last last Thursday I wrote about why I quit Twitter. 
Um, a lot of that came from actually a conversation I had live with many of you a few weeks ago when I was processing whether or not I should even write about that. Thank you for, for being a part of that conversation. And then on Monday of this week, I wrote about the concept of MSRP and pricing, how to price a product. Uh, there are a lot of variables that go into that formula. So Eric says, what kind of cost and fees did the nesting box incur? So one of the things I said about the nesting box is that the first printing due to freight shipping costs, the actually the freight shipping cost was more expensive than the cost of making the nesting box itself and combined the cost of manufacturing the nesting box, which was already expensive, plus the cost of freight shipping it was essentially the manufacturing cost of all previous uh, things for Wingspan combined, you know, like the core game and both expansions and even more than that, I believe the combined cost of all of those things, including the shipping costs. It, it was really, really, very, very, very expensive. However, fortunately, freight shipping costs have gone down a little bit. And so that has helped that formula a little bit. That's why we were offer, able to offer a significantly lower price for, um, for the nesting box itself without Wingspan Asia inside. Eric says, do I share profit on items like the nesting box and speckled eggs with Elizabeth or are those strictly Stillmeyer intellectual property? So Wingspan is a, is a Stillmeyer Games intellectual property. Anything that's gameplay related is something that we pay Elizabeth for. She gets revenue on anything that, that, she, anything that she designed, basically, um, is something that, that we pay her royalties on. That's the case for, for any designers. They get royalties on the things that they design, anything gameplay related. Terry says, oh, wow, nesting box arrived in Fairbanks last night. That's awesome, Terry. Got all the way up there to Alaska. Adam says, when reading the rules on Ruling Realms, the player was Walter. And yes, that was a reference to my cat, Walter. <laughs> and this, I'll, I'll read it the way Adam says it. He says, at one point, his wife said, well, I scored better than Walter. And Adam responded, well, Walter is, after all, a cat. Um, and Walter is not very good at Ruling Realms. Uh, okay, David clarified some things about Unconscious Mind, where we're talking about a game being finished before you put it on Kickstarter. He says he played it on Tabletop Simulator, and he agrees that it's probably heavier than my preference. The current version is also a bit unpolished. Hopefully, the improvements will fix some of the odd timing issues and balance. And, balance. and I think what's, what I think is cool about this, David, about what you just said there, is that it sounds like the designer and the publisher is transparent about it. They are not claiming this to be a 100% finished game. They're, it sounds like they are very clear and open about how far along the game is. And I think that's great. I think that... Level of communication is really important. Chad says, what would be the most important for you, to you for anyone designing a game in the same universe of your other game worlds? Um, that's a good question, Chad. So part of, part of so one thing that comes to mind is I don't want anyone to waste their time on something that, uh, that maybe we're already working on or that, uh, or is an area that maybe I would say that I definitely would want to design it for. Although I would say nice hybrid is what happened with Scythe in that um, Kai came up with an idea for like the, the airships and he play tested it. He wrote the rule book and then he shared it with me and I was like, oh, I think you have something here. Let's work together to, uh, to co-design this and, make, and turn this into something that, that really makes sense for the game. So I think maybe the most important thing is, uh, is, is A, that you're open to the possibility that it will just be a fan thing that is out there for people to try and it won't ever become an official thing. Because I think that's, the, that's very likely. The other part of it is, if you are excited about an idea, make it and test it. Like that, that's probably the, by far the most important thing. I'm not really interested at all in ideas. I'm interested in execution. And so that's what really impressed me with Kai's thing. If Kai had come to me and said, hey, like, 
if he had said, hey, Jamie, it would be cool if there were airships inside and maybe they could have different abilities. I would have been like, awesome. Yeah, that does sound really cool. Um, maybe I'll work on that. Or if you want to be involved with this, go create it, go test it, go, go create a prototype, write a rule book or basic rules, rule guidelines, enough for me to, to give it a try on my own and go play test it with your friends. I think that is possibly the most important thing. I know that isn't specific to universes or, or, or game worlds, um, but, uh, but I think it's more important than anything specific to those game worlds. Lucas says, if I ever wrote a blog post about computer versions of games, I do, yeah. If you search Stelmeyer Games for the truth about digital games, you can see my thoughts on that. I, I, say, I use the term digital games, not computer games for that. He says, I wonder about your thoughts. I was, I'm wondering who is the target? Owners of board games or maybe PC gamers so that maybe get, they get into board games. I think it's a little bit of both. I think part of it is board gamers who want another way to play with people around the world or to learn the game. I think a big part of it is learning the game. And I think another part of it is digital gamers who wouldn't normally um, give the game a try on the tabletop. That can be an onboarding process to, and a welcoming process for them to learn about the game and play the game and then maybe be interested in the tabletop version. George says, was a little surprised to not see a set location for the round end summary cards in the nesting box. Where do you store yours? The round end summary cards. Oh, I keep mine in the little slots near the bird feeder. Um, yeah, I, I, as I said, the, the nesting box is modular. There needs to be space for different things. The size of that summary tile, it's a tile, not a card, might change over time. And so we couldn't have a very specific slot for it. Rather, I think it fits in well with the slots that are primarily for Altama and bonus cards near the bird feeder. But again, you can put it wherever you want. That's up to you. Dave says, do I ever use a lazy Susan when playing games? Found that with Wingspan, it was super helpful to let everyone see the card tray well. I, I, I have used it. In fact, I played a game recently that has one built in called Planet Unknown. I really enjoy that game. I have not, I don't think I, I, I don't own one and I don't have any friends who own one, but I can see that being really good. I've heard people using it for Dominion. It can be really helpful for Dominion. I can also mention that for the wingspan tray in particular, we designed it so it's really easy to pick up the cards to look at them. That's why they hang out over the edge so that you can kind of press down on the edge of the card and easily pick it up or pick it up from that tray. But I agree that it is easy to also turn a, a Lazy Susan type of device so that, so that the cards are oriented in your direction for you to read them. Sky says, speaking of Rolling Realms, dice, would you consider selling extras of the dice on your store? I would consider them being really useful in other games when you roll a die that the whole table needs to see. And that's the goal of it, Sky. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, there are big dice that, that are visible across the table. Sky, it's a great question. We, we do offer some items a la carte on our web store. Um, but we generally kind of have moved away doing so a little bit because... Uh, it's really a good question. Maybe I should add this on our annual demographic survey, but uh, it's logistically difficult to coordinate because we have four different fulfillment centers and the replacement parts all go to one fulfillment center where we have a helper who goes to that fulfillment center. It's the one in here at the warehouse here in St. Louis. And they kind of have to separate those parts and then send them to the Canada, Australia and European fulfillment center. And, uh, and then we have to list it. We have to try to keep it in stock. And these are these are items that don't have barcodes or SKUs associated with them. We can assign a SKU, but uh, we don't typically label them with barcodes unless it's something that we're making at scale for that purpose. So it just becomes a uh, kind of a logistic hassle. And we often lose money on them because we have to ship them to these other, other fulfillment centers. So 
it, it is tough to sell those a la carte items. But I think what I'll do, Sky, I'm glad you brought that up. On the demographic survey, I'm going to make a note here. I'm going to ask a question to see if there are any components in our games that people really want us to buy, want to buy a la carte that we currently don't offer. And if there is enough demand, then we could consider doing that, especially maybe starting at our factory. We can, we can prepackage them for that purpose. That would make it a lot easier. Yeah. So thank you for that question. George says, any more similar game surprises before the year ends? Uh, he says, we should continue to celebrate the 10th anniversary in style. I don't think there are any surprises. I have mentioned that there's a very good chance, if things go well, that the the Red Rising playmat, the Tapestry playmat, and maybe three Rolling Realms promos will be available on our web store in, um, in early December. So we will see if that happens. I'm hoping for it. Tony says, have I seen Black Panther yet? The Wakanda Forever. No, I'm very excited to see it, but I have a very busy week this week, and um, I, I was hesitant to see it on opening weekend. I kind of want to wait until uh, until we can take off our mask a little bit in the theater to eat some popcorn, but mostly keep the mask on. So we're waiting until it's a little bit less crowded in the theaters. Pete says, hey, Pete. Pete says, how and when and how do designers typically get paid by publishers? Is there a payment upfront for design when it's signed or being developed, or is it typically based on sales? I'm sure it varies. Pete, uh, there's an article on, our, on my website about this. Um, search for designer contracts on our, web, our website, and you will see an in-detail article about it. A very brief answer to that is, I think most publishers pay quarterly. At Stonemaier Games, we pay designers once a, once a month. We base that payment on, based on revenue earned. And so if someone buys a game for $50 on our web store, $50 is the revenue. If, uh, some, if a distributor buys a game for $20, $20 is the revenue. And we, so we pay a percentage on whatever the revenue is received to the designer. Typically, that percentage is, uh, it can range from 5 to 10%. Usually for a single designer, it's 7%. If, if it's maybe a team of two designers, it might be 5% for each of the designers, 4 or 5% for each of the designers. Um, is there a payment up front? Yes, there is an advance payment. Typically, there's an advance payment up front that counts against the future royalties. The payment that we pay designers is $10,000, a $10,000 advance. I think that is maybe higher than most publishers, but maybe other publishers are doing that too. And yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, there's more details in that article too. Brian says, any hopes for a Viticulture Wine Crate reprint? Yes, we've had the reprint in the works for a while, and I think it's due to arrive in either uh, January or February. It does not include Viticulture World inside the box. Let's see if I missed anything else about your question. Um, oh, just has a nice comment there at the end. Thank you, Brian, for saying um, how, how I engage the fan base. This is You all are why I'm here. So I'm, I'm more than happy to, to do this and, and chat with you about games and other things like that. Hans says, any updates on the Tapestry expansion? The only updates we have so far, you can see on the progress chart on our web store. Um, but I'm very excited to bring that expansion to you in 2023. Carol says, did I see that Mythic Quest Season 3 has started? I have. We haven't started it yet because we kind of, uh, we're watching home economics, but that's week to week at this point for where we are in watching the show. Very good show on Hulu. And we're also, so we switched over to watching Blockbuster on Netflix, which I, uh, we're probably going to watch all the way through the first season before we go on to another show. And that other show will probably be um, Mythic Quest. Looking forward to continuing that journey. We're also watching Andor tonight. I'm loving Andor. And we're watching For All Mankind. So a few shows set in, in, in space right now. Tim says, uh, he, I remember reading that you decided not to make 
a giant tapestry box instead of making a full game insert. That is correct. That's absolutely correct. And we're working with an insert company who, who really knows what they're doing with that. He says, thank you. Uh, that's good to hear. A lot of people, or I, the most like when people mention this, they say, I wish you would just make the big box. But I think the tapestry box is big enough. And our polls indicated that more people were, wanted us to make a comprehensive insert than a big box for tapestry. Tim says, that's an awesome idea. And second, any details on the process? And if you're looking on that with other games that get expansions later, or maybe Euphoria. Euphoria has a pretty robust insert in the box. I don't, we're not considering that for Euphoria. And I, I think it does hold everything pretty well. Unless, Tim, maybe you have a version of Euphoria that didn't have the insert. There was maybe one printing that didn't have it, but all the printing since then have a pretty nice insert for Euphoria. He says, any plans on um, for more for the Euphoria base game? We don't have any plans really for that, and currently I don't think there's even enough demand for us to reprint Ignorance is Bliss, the expansion. We might consider that someday in the future, but currently there isn't enough demand for, for us to do that. That's a good reminder for me to say that if there is a product that you want that is out of stock in your region, please enter your email on the back in stock form. Only enter it once if you can. If you forget, it's okay to mention it, to add it again in the future. But we really do take that data seriously. We looked at the data. If there's a product where only 10 people say, I want, I want you to reprint this, that is not nearly enough justification for us to reprint it. But if there's 300, 400 people, 500 people, that, that tells us, hey, there's enough interest for, for us to actually remake this thing or reprint this thing. Tony says, what are my Thanksgiving plans and will there be a live cast next Wednesday? Um, I don't know. Next week, I think will be a little slower for me because it's Thanksgiving week. I'll definitely be working, of course. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know yet. I, I, will, I, will, I will try to be here live on Wednesday. We'll, we'll see if that actually happens or if I have a conflict. Uh, Tim says he has the the original insert for Euphoria, and it's pretty okay. The, I'm trying to think of what the original was. It definitely got better over the years. Um, look at the one that you can currently see on our web store, Tim. I think there are photos of it on, under Euphoria in our web store. See if if you don't have that one. It's possible. I think we, we used to sell some of those inserts individually, and there might even be a product still listed for that insert by itself. But I don't know if we still have that on the web store. What else is going on? Um, I was about to say Brian Sanderson. Is it Brian Sanderson? No. The new Sanderson book. Brandon, not Brian. The new Brandon Sanderson book came out yesterday. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Sorry for getting your name wrong, Brandon. But uh, yeah, I, I believe it's called The Lost Metal. So I'm really excited to start reading that after I finish the current book I'm reading, which is I Dream of Terra 2. And uh, oh, it looks like uh, some people are also excited about Andor. David's excited about Andor. Jim loves for all mankind uh yeah some, some some great shows there very high quality high production shows oh adam says the cat was still stiff for so long that i almost thought the video froze but you were still moving so it couldn't be it finally he moved was biddy sitting there in the background biddy, biddy come here maybe i missed biddy in the background there for a few minutes was he looking at me i i totally missed that usually i, I try to be aware of the, when the cats are sitting behind me um Games that I played recently, I've actually played, speaking of Tapestry, I played Tapestry on Board Game Arena via kind of a, a virtual couples game night that we had this past weekend and had a great time playing. I, I, was, I was the militant in this game and uh, I went for a, a militant strategy. I tried to conquer a bunch of territory, which I normally don't do in Tapestry, but I had fun doing it. And I won with 237 points. We did play with the Civ adjustments, so I played with the adjusted militants and I found one little glitch in their system 
which is fine. I really appreciate them putting the adjusted sieves in there. And I think they're working on getting the adjusted Merrymakers and Heralds into the system in the very near future. So those should show up in the uh, the adjusted sieves on Board Game Arena soon. And the data analyst I work with, Jeremy, he is very soon going to look at the data from Board Game Arena and from, uh, from reports on our website to see what changes we need to make for the final adjustments that we're gonna make for the reprinted sieves, for the sieves that need to be reprinted for balance. So we're working on that now. Or Jeremy is starting to look at that now. Tony says he played Search for Planet X in our game session last night, which showed my gaming group, my weaknesses in logic deduction games. Have you ever played it? And what is your favorite deduction game outside of Clue? Favorite deduction game? Interesting question. Um, Hmm. I have I played I have played uh, Search for Planet X and I like what what uh, Ben and Matthew did with it. I've worked with Ben and Matthew on the Between Two series of games. What's my favorite deduction game? You know, I think I like short deduction games. It isn't a type of game that I really get into for a long period of time. There's a game called Sherlock Thirteen, or maybe one version of this game is called Thir Sherlock Thirteen. It's a very short game with deduction. I enjoyed that one. I think it lasted the right amount of time for me that I want out of a deduction game. Oh, Molly popped in to say that uh, they took a break from the Lost Metal to catch up on the live guest. Oh, okay. So the the Brian Sanderson book, the new Brian's, uh, Brandon Sanderson book. I'm glad to, to hear that you're enjoying that. Or I hope you're enjoying it, Molly. You didn't say that you're enjoying it, but you say you're reading it. I'm, I'm so excited to get started on that soon. That is book seven of the Mistborn series. For me, the first Mistborn trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies ever. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited to conclude the second, not a trilogy, it's a, it's a four book series. It's the second part of that series. Okay, it looks like Biddy was in the background, but he just paused for a long time. Chad's getting the keys for his new house next Wednesday. He's so tired of moving, he doesn't recommend it. I hate moving. I really don't, I don't want to use the word hate. I really dislike moving. Um, and I'm glad that you will soon just be settled into your new house, Chad. Pete says, are there any games that you wanted to make Rolling Realms promos of, but weren't able to make happen? Also, have you had designers of games create their own real adaptations? Um, we have had a few designers who wanted to make their own version of a Rolling Realms realm, which was cool to see. That was really neat to see. Um, in fact, I might need to... Yeah, I'm going to make a note about that, Pete. There have been a few games, I think maybe the most requested ones that we weren't able to make were Root, Everdell, and uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies. Those were all heavily requested by people, and we reached out to all those publishers, and all those publishers said, nope. So we weren't able to make those realms. But we do have plenty of other publishers who saw the value in it, see that it's very little work. We pay them $500 for doing nothing, um, and we're, we're making realms for those, for those games. And maybe those maybe those people will change their mind eventually, but uh, but please don't pester them. They they made their decision, and I respect that. Tim says his his friend Danielle Standring did a TikTok about the digital board game system Game Board. Is Stellar Games already part of it? Thinking about it or not aware of it? I think Game Board has reached out to us. I don't think we've done anything official with them yet, but um, nothing that I that I can think of off the top of my head, Tim. But I. Um, if it, I don't know, it's, it's the type of thing where I'm open to it. If the, the rights that we've signed with other digital creators don't conflict with it, if it's not exclusive, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm open to it. Did some playtesting recently too. Playtesting a few games from, from 
other designers that, that are in process at Stomar Games, along with all the proofreading for a game that's uh, moving along quite well, or a product that's moving along quite well. Talked about shipping updates a little bit earlier. You can go back to maybe minute five or 10 in the video if you're curious about that, or I'm happy to answer questions if you're tuning in a little bit later in this live cast. I think that's it for the topics that I had to cover this week. Oh, the other game that I played again, I played Trick Takers again. Thanks to Pete, who's in the comments here. I uh, played a game, a uh, trick-taking game called Trick Takers. It's an asymmetric tr trick-taking game um, that Pete brought to Game Night last week as well. It's a little bit hard to get, but if you go to uh, Cloud Cap Games, it's a local store in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. They seem to be able to get their hands on this trick-taker game, trick-takers games that's from Japan. So if you love trick-taking games, it's a really, really interesting game. It doesn't always work because uh, the asymmetry works together in different combinations in different ways. But, uh, but it's really interesting to play. And I've enjoyed my play so far. Molly says that they are really enjoying the Lost Metal so far. That's awesome, Molly. I, I, yeah, that's, that's, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And uh, Pete says, oh, here's Pete chiming in about Trick Takers. He says, I decided that five players is too chaotic for Trick Takers. I agree. He says, I prefer it at three or four. And part of that chaos in Trick Takers is that every player has an asymmetric role and pretty much a completely different way that they're playing the game, including different scoring conditions and different instant win conditions. So the more players, the more you have to keep track of what the other players are doing or trying to do. I can totally see that. I think three might be the sweet spot for me. The other side of that is, and I think this is a big asset for the game, but it adds to the complexity, is that you aren't choosing a role for the entire game. You're choosing a role for that round. And so throughout the game, you might take on three different asymmetric roles, which is great. It gives you variety. It means that you don't have to wait to the next game to try a different asymmetric role. But it also means that you're constantly juggling your priorities and the other player's priorities. So the higher the player count, the more difficult it is to keep track of that. Still fun, chaotic fun, but still a lot of fun for me to try this, this uh, five-player game this past week. But yeah, I agree. I, I don't even know if maybe they should list five players in the box. I think three or four might be a good max for that game. George says, are you watching the Amazon Lord of the Rings series? What are your thoughts? We are done with it. Yeah, we, we did watch it. We um, really enjoyed that and the new Game of Thrones show over the last two months. And very different tones for the shows, but uh, the the epic scale, the production quality, uh, the, the story, the, the twist um, or twists, I, the connections to the universe and the, and the world that is to come, I really enjoyed it. Um, I also really enjoy that they made it a little bit more diverse than the original movies. Uh, I, I, th I think that was a, a, a very smart call. Um, and yeah, so yeah, overall, I, I really, really enjoyed the new series and I look forward to season two. I'm trying to think of anything else is going on. I don't see any other, any other questions here. Um, so I might cut this off a little bit early, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me for this week's chat. If I don't see you next week, uh, it probably will. But if I don't, have a happy Thanksgiving. If you're in the U.S., you can have a happy Thanksgiving even if you're not in the U.S. Oh, Julie has a question here. We're going to pieces in St. Louis for the first time this weekend. Oh, that's awesome, Julie. Uh, any tips for newbies going to pieces? Uh, if you can make a reservation in advance, I think they do recommend reservations, or they, they did the last time I checked. So I'd recommend doing that if you can. For anyone coming to St. Louis, I do highly recommend pieces. And... Julie, I don't, I don't know if you drink alcohol. If you do, they have some really, really fun um, alcoholic drinks that are board game themed or geek or, or nerd themed. I highly recommend them. And their food is actually surprisingly good. What is my favorite food there? I really like, I had a pizza quesadilla one time that was delicious. Their baker is really good. Even though they're all their baked goods, I believe, are vegan. 
They're like the best vegan cookies that you will find. Really legitimately good. Like they put care and attention to everything they do, not just the games, not just teaching the games, but also um, the drinks and the food. So I really would recommend checking out uh, the drinks and the food. Come hungry, come thirsty. What else? Make the reservation. I think that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think, Julie, after you, uh, after you experience pieces for the first time. Kenneth says, are we going to have a new promo run before the year ends? I think probably, Kenneth. I think most likely I will release three new promo realms in early December. Probably. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping to. Maxwell says, any idea what the next continent will be for Wingspan? Or is that up to Elizabeth? It is up to Elizabeth. Um, I do have an idea of it. And it will be one of the three of Africa, Antarctica, or Latin America. And we are saying Latin America because... Uh, even though that isn't technically a continent, it is a region, Central America through South America. We're saying that because the original core game of Wingspan really didn't include many birds from, from Central America. So we would, uh, we would like to include more of them in, in the expansion. So those are the three. It'll be one of those three. Or maybe it'll be a promo pack um, for extinct birds or birds that we haven't covered in the past. Uh, I, I think one of those will happen at some point in the future. And that, we're, that expansion would probably be a 2024 release, but I don't want to put any pressure on Elizabeth. Uh, I, I, I respect her time. She's not just a designer for Wingspan. She works on other things. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see when she's ready to release that. For now, we have plenty of time to enjoy Wingspan Asia. And uh, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that. And Nancy James says, I, I bet Elizabeth is putting her feet up and relaxing this week. I hope she does. I very much hope she does. Although her design time, a lot of the time that she spent on, the, on Wingspan Asia happened a long time ago. I think she wrapped up the design maybe in February or March. So I think that was when she really put up her feet and relaxed and put Wingspan out of her mind for a little while. All right. I think that's it for, for comments or questions today. I'm happy to answer anything else that you think of later, whether it's here on Facebook or ideally it's easier for me to see the comments on YouTube. You can post them there. I hope you have a great day, a great week, and I will see you either next week or in the near future, the following week. Take care. Bye.